Hi, it's Leah here, and before we get into the episode, Tick Tick Boom has a lot of cameos, especially concentrated in two scenes. So all of the cameos listed in those two scenes will be moved from where they were during recording to after the synopsis, right before the ratings, just for fluidity's sake. But if you want to jump back and forth, the timestamps will be in the description. Time for the show. Welcome to Tommy More, Tommy More, the podcast. I'm your host, Leah. And I'm your host, Adesia. And this is a movie musical podcast where we watch a movie musical and then we talk about it. It is Maestro March, and so we will be celebrating some musical theater maestros, starting with Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Larson in Tick, Tick, Boom of 2021. What is your history? Hmm. So my history was tick tick boom. Okay, so when <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so I uh fully got invested in Jonathan Larson's um whole deal. Well, okay, I saw Rent when I was a preteen. So an opportunity came up to direct Rent for musical theater. I of course was like, yeah. But that's when I started like, actually looking into Jonathan Larson's stuff. Um, did not know he had other things that he had done. Um, and Tick Tick Boon was one of them, which there were recordings on YouTube. And I just, <laughs> if, if I listened to nothing else, I just fell in love with the song Therapy which um i had you perform with me on yeah. a showcase uh, <laughs> just because i i love like back and forth argumentative um songs uh that that just really tickles something in me when you argue while you sing yeah so <laughs> it would be oh god when was rent was it 20 was it 2017 i think so yeah so I've known about it properly since 2017. Uh, how about you? Uh, I know about it through you. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you like, literally, when you were like, "Hey, you want to do therapy um, for the showcase or whatever," and I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Um, but then that was the only song I knew until like last year when I actually watched Tick Tick Boom for the first time. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I must have listened to other songs, but in terms of like remembering them, I like didn't until like watching it re like recently. That's like literally my entire history. I remember when we talked about it, like when we talked about the trailer for the first time, I say I remember, but like <laughs> I just listened to like all of our obsessions since the beginning of time to update the, the Tumblr. But um, when it first came out, you said something along the lines of like, if, if any of these songs <laughs> land on TikTok, and I was like, you know therapy is gonna be there. You know it, you just do. And what happened? It was there. I saw I saw therapy for like a solid month. 
um, <laughs> and, like every couple days. So yeah, oh, but that was like my entire connection to this. I will say though, it, um, I mean, I did see Rent also as a kid mm-hmm. and whatever, and obviously I was in your directed production of Rent. Yes, so. I will say though, in terms of songs that gained popularity from Tick Tick Boom, I did not expect 3090 to be the one that, but then everyone is just having an existential crisis all the time. So, of course, yeah. you know, <laughs> that would be the one. Also, I, I don't know if it, if it captured uh, tying into other things, uh, Lynn Manuel also did, <laughs> was in a production of oh, Tick right, Tick sure. Boom. They totally have to mention that. Um, he he played uh, Jonathan, Karen Olivero, and Leslie Odom Jr. were in that production of Tick Tick Boom with Lynn Manuel Miranda. There's so much like musical theater infused into this movie in terms mm-hmm. of cameos, in terms of like references. I mean, it's like very very musical theater. Like, yeah. It is the Marvel movie <laughs> of musical theater. I, for for our listeners here today, I have pulled up all of the people that are in there, and some of them I don't know that well, and some of them you probably might know more than me. But I'll just list them, and if they like hit your brain in a good way, then Lin Manuel will have succeeded in shoving as many musical theater people into this movie as he possibly could. Um, he said, I'm going to make every single phone call. <laughs> He's like, anyone I know, I am having this movie. Do you want to be in it for yeah. like two seconds? <laughs> and they all just said, yes. They were just like, yeah, sure. Let's Oh my god. This takes place in the year uh, 1990. Well, it's going back and forth between a couple of years. So the actual performance that Jonathan is doing of Tick Tick Boom in the movie is taking place in 1992. But we are seeing his life a couple years earlier uh, in 1990s, what he's talking about. So we go back and forth between that time. So we actually open... Um, on uh, Jonathan presenting Tick Tick Boom to um, his audience. Um, He has this little spiel that he's doing in the beginning explaining that the year is 1990 and uh, he his birthday is in two very weeks. Very much. <laughs> yeah, very much. We can see where he gets it from. He's just like, oh yeah, this worked. I'll keep this. Um, <laughs> but yeah. he's like, it's 1990. Um, he has this workshop that he's preparing uh, to premiere his musical Superbia at that he's been working on for, what, eight years mm-hmm. or something. And also his birthday is coming up at the end of that two weeks. So it's just that he feels like he's on a time crunch right now because he is comparing himself to these other um, musical theater greats that he looks up to, like Stephen Sondheim, who did all of this great stuff before he was uh, even 27 and he's 29 about to turn 30 and it's giving him a crisis and we watched this mm-hmm. like a few days 
after my 30th birthday and I was just having such a crisis listening to him talk in this intro. I was just like, thanks, John. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, oh, this is a lot, you know, for an introduction. But that's fine, I guess. Um, Anyway, so he gets into the song 3090. (laughs) Happy birthday, just one after the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, During this, we're having like uh, little interludes where we get to meet uh, some of uh, the people in his life. So we see the Moondance Diner, which is. Uh, where he works at, as um, a, a waiter and to start off our cameos like immediately uh, we have uh, Robin de Jesus who was an understudy for Angel in the original and then we have um, uh, wait let me pull up these names so I say them and then he and then he played Sonny and in the Heights we have um MJ Rodriguez, uh, who was an angel in the 2011 revival with another person who is actually going to be later on um, in the movie. And well, I guess Vanessa Hudgens was also in Rent, but I t- yeah. Uh, that that that. Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, she was in like two separate things. Yes, she was she in like was. the Hollywood something, and Hollywood then she goal. was in the live version. Yeah, so she was in two yeah. productions of Rent as well. Um, she plays. And she also played Vanessa in In the Heights. This is true as well. We have uh Josh Henry who's playing Roger, who is named after Roger Bart who was in the original production of Tick, Tick, Boom, but is also the person that Roger in Rent is named after. And Roger Bart is actually sitting in the Moondance Diner uh, during that opening scene. Uh, he's, he's, he's off in the corner. So they were just like, Roger, you're gonna be in here. You're Jonathan's <laughs> very good friend and we're gonna sit you right here. Um, he's sitting next to James C. Nicola, who was leading the New York Theater Workshop when John attended. So they, they're they there in the very beginning. And like, if I knew who they were, I'd probably be like, oh, foreshadowing the way this movie is going. But, you know, <laughs> I did not know who they were. I thought they were just people. I have now been informed. And now I inform you. <laughs> so we have those lovely people at the end of 3090 oh we also get introduced to uh roger's girlfriend i forgot to mention her um but um uh jonathan's (laughs) jonathan's girlfriend at the time uh her name is susan and susan is a character in the tick tick boom that he is portraying now because he writes songs about John and Susan uh, and I was like John you really used your ex-girlfriend's real name in your <laughs> but anyway I'm okay so this um, is I'm not to sidetrack but mm-hmm. this after having seen 
the Euphoria play. Mm-hmm. Um, the the line that um, Maddie says, like, is this fucking play about us? <laughs> I just imagine Susan, Susan um, at the back, like, excuse me. <laughs> but <Anyways. laughs> so Caressa is Susan, quote unquote. And Roger is Michael. Michael is uh, Jonathan's best friend and former roommate. Uh, former, he's still kind of their room, his roommate at the beginning of the um, at the beginning of the play. But he is in the process of moving out because um, he has a nice job elsewhere. The next immediate thing is there is a party. Uh, that is going to well he he talks about um, his relationship with Michael and how Michael um, they used to be in place together when they were children but Michael now has this job that I mentioned and he is moving out because he got this advertising job and he talks about um, how Michael has given up uh, his dreams of theater to pursue something that is significantly less artistic whereas Susan Susan is like a true artist and it doesn't matter to her if she's performing in front of like 20 people or like 200 people you know it's just about dancing for her but she fractured her ankle and now she's not entirely sure about the path that she was pursuing whereas her life before was all about dance and everything that came with it but it's Susan's party. Um, I think it's a. I think it's an after party for her show, or is it her birthday? I can't remember. Yeah. It's a party. It's fairly successful, um, and we get to see how Jonathan interacts with the people in his life. We learn that one of the other waiters that we saw earlier in the diamond in the diamond in the diner <laughs> um, is is HIV positive um, because John asks about uh, how he's doing and they brought they bring up T-cell counts now the um, HIV AIDS crisis was still in its growing uh, stages at this point in the early 90s it's 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 difficult to make commentary on because it's not really um, something that we uh, ever experience but it's just like yeah. having this thing surrounding you where your friends are like dropping like flies and well I guess a, a, a pandemic is a little similar but it's not like exactly the same there was a lot less yeah. there was a lot less um, available knowledge at that time yeah. um, and resources were significantly less as well um also they do this uh cute little song Bo Bohemia. Um This is the life bo 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 This is the life bo 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 This is the life bo 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 Bohemia And then he sings about showers in your kitchen and yada yada <laughs> Living the Bohemian life. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan and Susan end up on the rooftop. Um, John follows Susan up there and Susan begins to tell him about the fact that she has this uh, job opportunity in the Berkshires. And you can see how much John doesn't want to talk about anything like this. Uh, like yeah. He's like, 
vehemently like he's not like outwardly rejecting the conversation but he's like dipping and dodging around and he's just like oh did you know like you were so good in the play this evening it's like i'm freezing can we like go inside it's just like anything to avoid talking about susan her moving this job um yeah it works well enough that they end up falling into bed and uh susan's like oh um uh, like while they're like getting ready and they're like she's like oh i applied to this job that i was telling you about and i got accepted and it starts in june and he's like oh is it then for the summer it's like no it's permanent and everything stops and he's telling michael about this later on and how much of a non-answer he gave because he didn't know what to say <laughs> which i mean fair enough but still, like this this whole avoidance of conversations things comes to bite Jonathan in the ass so hard yeah. later on in the thing. It's just like like I get it, but also it's so annoying to watch someone else do it. Yeah. <laughs> like it honestly yeah. is is infuriating. But he's in the car with I mean, like, he's incredibly preoccupied with his, yeah. um, with getting, like, his show, like, his workshop to, like, work and be seen mm-hmm. and be liked. And he's very preoccupied with getting that hap- to happen so that his success can begin with mm-hmm. all of that stuff. That, like, everything that's sort of peripheral is just, like truly in the peripheral is truly out of focus they're in the car and michael is bringing up the fact that there is a focus group um that he wants jonathan to be interested in potentially to become a jingle writer for the company that he works at because then he could get money and jonathan is just so not interested in any sort of like uh, pursuit that he thinks is like soul sucking and against like artistic vision and i'm just like bro how poor are you really like how much money do you not have because i feel like your commitment to this is unrealistic (laughs) like i get it but also like mm, (laughs) i don't know i don't know but then you get like you see the like true parallels between like Jonathan as a character in this movie and Mark as a character in Rent Mm -hmm. um, in that like they avoid this like corporatization of their skills Mm -hmm. um, all in the name of like true art and it's like there is true art for sure I get it 100% but also my guy your electricity is being shut off (laughs) like it's like he's struggling for the sake of struggle because the struggle is supposed to make it like more worth it and i'm just like at the end i'm like this Mm. is insane (laughs) um (laughs) and michael then pulls up to this high-rise apartment and there's like a doorman concierge like the concierge is also Lin-Manuel Miranda's father by the way um but there's a concierge Mm -hmm. and they go into this apartment and it's just like this huge space compared to 
what they were living in before, which they flash back and forth in song, and it's a very Rent-esque uh, sort of vibe. Like, Rent is the only reference point that yeah. I have for this kind of uh, style I mean, of rock. That's where I'm at yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, no more. And I'm like, I could get used. I could get used to you. Um, like going between like the whole <laughs> uh, opening number of Rent and like living in rich like apartments with space and doormat and like rich people. Mm-hmm. That looks so lovely, but also, will I sacrifice my soul? No. <laughs> so Jonathan is having a conversation with um, the the director of the theater uh, workshop space that he's going to be using, and they're talking about a song that is uh, missing from the play. Uh, it's a turning point song it's necessary and john is having trouble writing it he can't figure out why he can't write this song when he writes a song a day and when asked if no one else had ever told him that the song was missing before he he flashes back to when he's in uh the theater workshop um program this this writing camp and this is actually like uh, we're gonna talk about the Sunday scene with all of those people, but this is actually kind of full of Broadway people as well, <laughs> and we don't. Uh, yeah, including like quite a few like Broadway like writers. Yeah, um, um, and composers. But during the scene, he is he's talking about uh, when he was uh, doing the Superbia writing workshop and he was going through that little like finishing the hat flourish which i think was is a like a nice touch because it's like finishing the hat is like basically what he's struggling to do here like mm-hmm. finish the song do the song da 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 um but yes and then we see Stephen Sondheim mm-hmm. the character the character they could not get Stephen Sondheim the person and that's okay I wasn't disappointed uh, <laughs> but the, the point of this scene was in, in this flashback was that um, Stephen Sondheim had actually been at the workshop um which he doesn't uh, do often. I think it's like they bring in people, different people sometimes. Um, and it was Stephen. I don't remember who the person next to Stephen was that was like being like, I don't understand the musical at all. I think it's like awful. Like the songs aren't there. And Stephen was like, no, no, this is it's actually quite good. Like, I think the songs are first rate. And when he said it, the musical is first rate, John was like, that was enough to keep me going for the next two years. And I'm like, mood! <laughs> mood! <laughs> My guy. Um, but Stephen was the one that had told him that he was missing a song in the third act, The Turning Point. And it was a song for the young woman 
because uh, the main character uh, lead he he was he didn't know which way he was going to go, and that song was probably going to be the deciding factor. But from then to now, he couldn't come up with the song, and now the workshop. The, the presentation rather is coming up and he still doesn't have the song and he needs the song um, because that could be the thing between like him just fading into obscurity or the musical actually being seen as a success and it's driving yeah. him crazy <laughs> um, because <laughs> because he he has this thing with Susan happening now where uh, she wants to talk about the job offer that she has and and Michael's moving out and all of these things are happening at the same time and he's trying to figure out this song and like we throughout the movie there's this um, incessant ticking that pops up every now and then and he 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 can't escape it there's a clip that plays where Michael and Susan and John are sitting around watching Sunday in the Park with George, which has Bernadette Peters in it. The the way that they're talking about it is actually emblematic of both Jonathan in the moment being unable to properly express love for Susan, um, but also it reflects on superbia the play of the character not being able to properly express express love for the woman that is in the, it's very multi-layered the scene that they express yeah. using a, like, yeah. a, a PBS special they like they're talking <laughs> yeah about how um George Sarah is like 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 why won't he like fucking tell her Da, 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 da. And it's like he like doesn't know what the fuck to say, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's like John. It's basically John being like, "Man, I feel this guy so hard. <laughs> <laughs> like this is me. <laughs> Representation matters." But we see that John is actively struggling to write. He's just sitting at the computer, and Susan comes in and wants to talk. Uh, but he just brushes it off and said he's focused on his writing. He's gotten up to your, whether it's why are you are or why are you apostrophe R-E, we don't know yet, but we got up to your. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, it's, it's, it's difficult for him at, at the moment. And this is when we get um, the whole Johnny can't decide. Johnny can't decide. Yeah. I was talking about John and Michael and Susan, the like diverging paths that their lives are taking at the moment. And then we get hit with the news that Freddie, who is the the one that we were talking about the T cell count he's in the hospital even though his T cells were doing well like four days prior he's now in the hospital and that's the thing with um it's it's Sunday so they're now understaffed but they're they're trying to play it off as a joke because they're actually concerned about Freddie and his state of health 
because it can go really quickly, uh, really suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, things can turn and they're worried, but there's nowhere for them to go. And John has this moment where he's like, I have to finish my song and I have to talk to Susan. I can't talk to Susan. Freddie's in the hospital. How can you think about your song at a time like this? And he's just spiraling for a moment, but it's Sunday at brunch and he's not going anywhere. He can't do anything at the moment except be at his job. It's the whole thing is uh, an allusion and homage to Sunday in the park with George Sunday they even have like similar uh, poses. Like it's uh, it's just like a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And like at the end of the song is like pointillism art mm-hmm. thing that like George Savard was like famous for or whatever. Um, like at the end of the song Sunday. Sunday. It's so dreamy and it's fun. I don't know. It's a great sequence. I remember really enjoying the sequence the first time around. Like, not only because of all of the cameos, I'm like, oh, <laughs> but like, it was just I just liked it. It was a nice sequence. It's 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 real good. Um, but yeah, so after Sunday, John starts to 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 talk about like how difficult it is to like actually get uh, something produced on. Broadway um, with the play game which is performed by um, Tariq Trotter so Tariq Trotter he does play game which Jonathan Larson wrote a rap I guess mm. um, it's fine <laughs> the, the, there's like little like nuanced things in the back there's like one poster that says it's something akin to a boring play but it has that one guy from TV so you should like it um lol <laughs> but it, it's things like that where it's just like little jibes at like what is necessary to like maybe get your show produced and out there the play yeah. game and it ends on like cats auditions with so the person who was rapping is actually auditioning for old Deuteronomy old Deuteronomy <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I I adore cats, you know. Which again is like so so later on in the I'm jumping ahead now, but it's so bothersome to me because the the producer, um, not the producer, uh, Jonathan's agent says that it's people are saying it's too out there for Broadway. No one's gonna watch a show about spaceships and robots. Cats is one of the longest running shows. It's a a musical about... If you ask the general consumer what Cats is about, they will not be able to tell you what Cats is about. But Cats is one of the successful musical about Cats. And and you know what? I mean... It's like, like it's it's already super out there. So like, I think the idea is that like, how many people are gonna buy into another super out there idea? I, I don't know. Like, there was a whole musical about trains, 
you know, where they fulfill it with <laughs> roller skating. Like, Starlight Express is a whole thing. Um, ACDC is a, is a banger song. I'm not gonna lie. ACDC is a good song. Uh, anyway, this is not about Starlight Express. This is about... Um, tick tick boom (laughs) superbia so um it is rehearsal for uh superbia jonathan in when he was initially talking to ira he wanted to have musicians he wanted to have um four musicians the bed the minimum um but ira's like it's a reading you're gonna have a piano so when it comes to the rehearsal Ira has gotten him a drummer and John's just like that's not enough um yeah but they they managed to have more musicians please actually because like (laughs) the vibe will not be vibing with a piano my guy which like is he, like true like <laughs> yeah he, he he wrote a rock musical it needs to have like a synth a guitar like it needs things um he wrote a rock future musical as well it wasn't just a rock musical he wrote a rock musical set in a, in a, in a in magical future like it needed us like synthesizers are made for future <laughs> like that is <laughs> no but like it it is sure. the essence of the anyway. They have the the rehearsal. Um, they go through like I think the intro of uh, one of the songs for Superbia. Everyone who's everyone who knows everyone who knows everyone who knows everything. <laughs> I like that. Listen, I, I I like that song a lot. I really wish Superbia. I really <laughs> wanted Superbia. I went looking. I was like, wait, what? This is actually, like, great. What do you mean? It's so catchy. But, like, and just met with the eternal disappointment that we will probably never see a Superbia production. Like, because John just kept rewriting it because he so wanted it to succeed. And I'm just like, bruh, please... (laughs) that he was he was on to something like it was catchy like when they asked him to explain the musical he was just like it's set in the future um everyone is looking at like a, a display like a handheld display like that's where their lives are and i'm just like oh so tiktok <laughs> well i mean not really like tiktok i feel i think like everyone has like a tv head in his a version of the future he is talking about the fact that there's still so much going on there's still like people dying around us he's not doing enough what can he do all of these like questions that he has um and he's still just trying to do this musical because it's the only thing that is keeping him going but in doing that musical he is avoiding talking to susan susan who comes to the next rehearsal um as a surprise but john is so focused on the musical itself like I think it's it's Tuesday at this point and they need an answer by Wednesday which she's told him but there's there's now no time and he's just he's just not talking to her because 
he is focused on the musical but also he doesn't have like the emotional availability to deal with this right now and he doesn't want to have the conversation because he knows that it might potentially he doesn't want to deny Susan her agency but at the same time he doesn't want her to leave to go off and abandon like this thing that they that she's built in New York that they've built together but he doesn't know how to express any of that so he's just hiding behind the musical and hoping it will go away and she does um she like she he he goes to say something to the music director and when he turns back to her she's not there anymore which is deep foreshadowing um uh we we continue on with uh him trying to get money for these musicians uh so that he can he can like have this full well not full band but like more than what he had um so he sells yeah. records because it's like a hundred dollars for a musician a day or something yeah. like that so he he sells his records he um agrees to go to the advertising focus group michael is trying to talk to him about something that is important <laughs> and he he yes. doesn't have again the time to deal with that but when michael brings up um the focus group um he asks oh wait wait how much does that pay actually michael is surprised that john would be willing to do that after he was so against mm-hmm. it initially but you know he needs money now for a purpose and so it's worth his time to go to this focus group and so he doesn't uh michael doesn't get to have the conversation with him that he actually wants meanwhile john still hasn't written that song that he needs (laughs) for (laughs) he still doesn't have it yet we see him not writing the song that he needs yet but working on a different song um yep which again is like such like in- that inclusion yeah in the same way that like including like finishing the hat it's like that's the thing. The one song. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to write the song. I'm, I'm, I feel like Lynn was just like, you know what we should put right here? <laughs> Lynn, Lynn said, I got big brain ideas. <laughs> Lynn always has big brain ideas. Not gonna lie. Like, oh my god. But the phone rings interrupting him. And it is Susan who... He, he doesn't pick up the answering machine picks up also the answering machine just says speak which is what <laughs> which is what Roger and um, Mark's phone uh, answering machine says in rent um, but he doesn't pick up he lets the answering machine pick up but she knows he's in there because she's down on the street corner and she can see like, the lights on in there and she can see him up in there yep so she comes up and John is desperately not wanting to talk right now. I think he feels like he's on the verge of something with that song. So he, he doesn't yeah. want to put it down. So it's like, it's a bad time, but it's never a good time with him recently. So like there was no getting around it yeah. <laughs> at this point. Um, so she comes up and she comes in and 
they start to argue about the fact that John is not available to talk at all and everything is about this workshop and you don't want to talk about feelings at all and we get into therapy uh, I feel bad about <laughs> I was sad when I watched this the first time because uh that they broke up therapy. It makes sense in the context of like the movie. But I was sad that they Yeah broke up the song because I really enjoy mm-hmm. therapy. Like it was the one song I was just like, oh, <laughs> Okay, um, but it, it worked for the story because they were cutting back and forth between Jonathan and Caressa on stage. Fight and the acting. real fight. Yeah, and the real fight, um, which which would worked for like building the tension because then at the end we see that it was really just a whole lot of miscommunication where Susan really just wanted Jonathan to indicate anything at all about because I think she was just feeling left out in the cold about the whole situation because he he wouldn't like say like yes you should go or no I want you to stay like she he just wouldn't give her anything um yeah and she she wanted him to tell her to stay because then at least she would have like she she knew that she would have some form of support but there was nothing there and so when John was like of course I want you to stay she just wanted that security of having been told that and they hug and then Jonathan (laughs) Jonathan John cannot help himself he could not help he's just like wait a minute hang on this moment <laughs> and he's just like tapping on her arm. Oh, yeah. He starts whatever. He starts playing the piano on her back and she's just like, You're trying to find out how to put this into a song, aren't you? And it's like what? No, and I don't know if he even consciously realized he was doing it at the time, but he still did it. Like and that was it for yeah. for Susan. She was yeah. just like, No, 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 I can't do this. I can't have my life be your work display which is what he ended up doing anyway like he literally ended up doing that anyway <laughs> That's, yeah. That is, yeah. Um, but it's just so it's, yeah. it's like I can't have you not focus on me for the sake of your work and then the one time I get you to talk to me you're back to making You're like, our talk yeah. part of your work. About the like, yeah. like that is that would frustrate the heck out of me. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Yeah, um, I mean that is entirely fair. So Susan, Susan leaves after that, and now Jonathan is going to the focus group that he was uh, told about by Michael. And he gets there, and he's late, obviously. <laughs> he had a rough night, to be fair. Um, but he gets there, and it's just a bunch of suits. Um, Koresh from Freestyle Love Supreme is there. Uh, oh, I've forgotten someone important. Laura Bonanti yes. is the, leading the focus group. Yes. 
Danielle Furland originated Little Red Riding Hood and Into the Woods. Michaela Diamond originated the role of Babe in The Share Show. So Jonathan gets there. Um, he's he's really not into the focus group thing. Like he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's just there for the paycheck so much. And they're tossing out ideas about America and what it means. And he's he has more of an artistic vision than these suits have, obviously. So he's like... Of course, yeah. He's like, when he thinks of America, he thinks of like the open road and like wind in your hair, promise of a better life, something, something like that. And yeah. they're just like, oh, he wow. He does a lot of like poetic shit. Laura Venanti's like, right, so... <laughs> <laughs> the thing we're actually here to talk about <laughs> is an alternative to or like butter or whatever. Um... Anyways, ideas? <laughs> what do you want to call it? Like, he wasn't even that against it initially when he present when she presented that idea. She's like, okay, a fat substitute, sure. But then she was like, and here are all the side effects. And I think it starts with like Yeah. Oh that I don't remember what it starts with, but it ends with toxic shock syndrome, which can land in brief hospitalization. And I'm just like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Is that what you're trying to sell to people? What? And John is just like, initially, he was like, wow, you know, this is really cool. Like, I can, like, be a part of something where I, like, shared my ideas and I get paid for it and I'm praised for my work? What is this? And then he was just like, actually, I don't think this could be my life. I don't know about this. I can't do this bit of it. Um, They're throwing out ideas. The rest of the group are. And then he's like, oh, I got it. I got it. I got the answer. (laughs) It's perfect. Chubstitute. And... He is kicked out of the focus group. Him and Michael are are walking, and Michael is just so frustrated with John because he put his name on the line recommending John to the focus group in the first place. And he just made a fool of it all. Like he just he just made a joke and it's it's not a joke. It's his life, it's his career, it's his reputation, right. it's everything. Um and John just doesn't seem to care. He's just like, I'm not a corporate shill. Like, I can't, like, give up everything like you did. Like, it's not... <sighs> and he's just like, he's like, yeah, you can... It. What's so wrong about wanting to live comfortably? Like, wanting to have a nice apartment and, like, have a nice car, like, during this time. And after he says that, he just walks off. He, he's apologetic and he doesn't didn't mean to like upset Michael as much as he did he didn't think it was gonna be like that serious but he doesn't understand that side of things so for him it was just yeah for him it was just a job that he was just like he didn't want so he threw it away but for Michael it was just like there's a lot more layers like if he loses his job he loses his apartment he's back out like it's as a whole thing so like their friendship is it's not rocky but they're also having an argument right now um so when he gets home rosa his um his agent finally calls him back like he had been calling 
a bunch of people trying to get butts in his seat for his showcase um because Rosa apparently wasn't wasn't answering him back at all she calls him that evening it's Thursday now um she calls him and apparently it's she's she's been calling she's got like her producers coming you know it's gonna be great and all the thing and I'm just like lady you couldn't have called him before the day before his his, his show like what <laughs> the anxiety like and I, I, I understand I you probably have other clients but my god um so like hearing that is the one bright spot that he's had like all day and it's like enough to motivate him to get his shit together he like starts cleaning up he's cleaning up the cat litter he he is ready now he, he sits down to write and the power goes off because he's been ignoring those well not ignoring but he's been looking at them because he doesn't have any money <laughs> so he's not been ignoring yeah. them but he's just, <laughs> he's just like the money that he's been getting he's been diverting to his show rather than paying yeah. any bills because once the show is good then then he can worry about those things but now it's come back and it's not good so his power's off and he needs to finish writing but he has no computer so he doesn't know what else to do and he's like so frustrated so he tries to call the power company but the billing office is closed and there's no way to fix it right now so he goes to swim and I'm just like I thought you were so ready to write a second ago. You can light a candle. <laughs> but he goes to swim <laughs> to clear his head. Um, he goes to swim to clear his head. Um, he's singing the song. <laughs> and then he's like literally swimming. Um, and like with each like number that he's like swimming past he's like 50 something 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 and then he gets to 30 and then he's like 30 <laughs> <laughs> hyper focus it's it's two days away it's looming um mm -hmm. but he gets down and he swipes at the number and like it suddenly clarifies in his mind like he starts to hear the song that's been missing and musical notes spread I really like this sequence it's very pretty uh, musical notes spread out along the lines as if it's a musical staff and the song just begins to appear before him the one that was missing and he gets out of the pool as fast as he can and he lights a candle and he starts writing he's just like you know, he's just scribbling away it's done and then it's tomorrow and he goes he goes to the play house and it's empty no one's there and he is and he's distraught <laughs> he's like he's like fuck <laughs> he's on the verge of tears um he's just like i, I, I don't i don't understand and caressa comes in and he's like you know, I turned 30 in a couple days and this is this is my showcase. And she's like, yeah, and no one's here. It's like, yeah, no one's here. It's it's not even nine o'clock. The showcase starts yeah. at 10. <laughs> and he's like, oh, 
<laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, hon. Oh, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. I was like, can you read on site? And she's like, yes, I can sight read for sure, for sure. Which I don't know how I would handle that situation. I'm not going to lie. It's, <laughs> it's like we've been doing rehearsals and then the day of an hour before you're just like i have a new song for you um please right now <laughs> like we have to learn this now like a whole song like i'm giving you no time people are gonna be coming in while you're learning it okay go <laughs> i don't know i don't know people start to arrive yeah We've got John's parents, his parents, um, which are are played by uh, Judy Kuhn, who is the voice of Pocahontas, and uh, and uh, Danny Burstein, uh, who was in like Pacific and Follies, Moulin Rouge. Um, but yeah, people start to flow in. Michael comes. And he's like, like of course Michael would come to to support him at this time. Like it's his, it's his big like debut, and you know, people are people are falling in. And Jonathan delays, I think, like fifteen minutes because he's like hopeful that Sondheim would come. Um, he's not there yet, uh, so he walks to the front to begin uh, the show. He announces it and Stephen Sondheim appears. And when I tell you, I would collapse on the spot. Like, I don't think my legs <laughs> would keep me up in this situation. I don't, I don't know how, um, he did it. So maybe it's cause he met him once before and he was sitting down that whole time. So maybe he just like was prepared. But yeah, no, the showcase begins. They start the new song about an hour and a half in. And it's come to your senses. But when the song starts, he doesn't hear Caressa initially because that's not... It's it's who the song was written about. He hears Susan singing it yeah. to him. Um, people are tearing up in the audience. Alexandra Schiff is singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens, they're harmonizing, belting. It's a great time. And it's a success. Yeah, it, it goes over really well. Um, I think yeah. they left and Jonathan was just like calling Rosa immediately. It's just like, what did they say? What did they say? Um, when she finally calls him back, um, she's like, oh, you know, it's a great. Everyone loved it. I've been hearing nothing but great things about this Jonathan Larson kid. And I can't wait till he do, does the next one. And Jonathan is just shell-shocked he's like what do you mean the next one and she this is what i mentioned earlier where she tells him that they think it's too out there like no one's gonna come to see like a show that's like that difficult to understand and he's just so flabbergasted and depressed he's like what do i do now she's just like you write the next one and then you write the next one after that until one of them sticks 
And it's just defeating to hear, especially when people think your thing is good, but not good enough. Um, and it's a thing that you've like poured like your soul into for so many years. Like it's, it's, uh, I don't know. But after hearing that news, he's just sitting on the floor by himself. And then the next thing we see is him going into Michael's office to be like, you know what? All that corporate shit you were trying to sell me before, tell me it again. I want it. I want all of it. I want the high rise. I want... Like, let's go. <laughs> it's like, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to be 30. I'm running out of time. Like, like you don't understand. And I Michael- can't, like go another five years writing something else yeah which like foreshadowing he does but like (laughs) (laughs) in that moment he's like i can't i can't do this no and then he goes off to like say like because they're obviously like michael's like no dude you are fucking talented you know i gave up art but that's not because i was like giving i wasn't even that good dude you're fucking good like yeah. you can't not and jonathan's like no you don't get it you don't you don't understand i'm running out of time and it's like oh you couldn't have said the worst thing <laughs> even <laughs> worse <laughs> it's like truly like the statement that like it's like well about that one actually and then Michael confesses that he's HIV positive and like it 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 like visibly hits John like a ton of bricks because he knows what that means yeah um and Michael's just like you know I might get lucky I might live a year maybe more and it's just like what it's like right yeah (laughs) like like it's it's that is definitely like something that could shake me to the core just to like know that about like someone I care about just being like this like could be the end of the line but like I could be lucky enough to last like 525,600 minutes that's like I I don't know how to process that yeah that's like it's you're like it's something that he's acknowledging as like lucky and it's Mm -hmm. like damn yeah and john is just like because he's only known that information for a few days according to him and john's like why didn't you tell me earlier and he michael doesn't even have to say anything john is just like you tried because he did he he wanted to ask John's advice about something, but he didn't have time then. Um, and they don't have time now because Michael's at work and the phone is ringing and they don't have time to get into their feelings about it because the day has to go on. Um, which is like, it's it's similar to what happened with Freddie but it's even closer now because it, it, like it's it's not Jonathan's day that has to go on it's Michael's and but Michael is the one that has the problem and it's unfortunate cuz he he has to leave 
because if he if he stays there, like they're not gonna be able to talk about this now. What what is there to talk about in that moment? That yeah. that is gonna be beneficial to either of them in this situation where they're currently standing. So he has to go, and he goes to the park and he starts flashing back to all of this stuff about Michael and like his whole life and like the the constant incessant ticking of time that he has felt for himself but now it's also a clock for Michael and the time that they'll have left together who knows how long that is and he's just running and it's just um Michael is singing uh is this real life because it's not easy to process like it's just like what can this be real right now but it is it is the reality for them um and he goes jonathan goes all the way to the park to like this amphitheater this empty empty amphitheater where there's a piano and he starts to sing uh michael and i uh which I think is why, why. I always call them the wrong names, forgive me. Um, yeah, and it's sort of a overview of like their friendship kinda. Um, one of the moments being them in like a West Side Story. Yeah. Um, like performance where you know? Michael did not sing because he <laughs> could not sing. Lynn put his actual elementary school teacher in that, you know, the one that was giving um, Michael a rose. That's oh, yeah. Lynn's actual elementary school yes, teacher. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I was going to say uh, Robin did his like sing, like, is this real life? Over and over. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I cannot explain to you how, like, broken I was just like (laughs) tears it's just I coping was not something I could do um but anyways we get into why where he's you know chronicling their life um I like the inclusion of the lyrics of the songs that he's singing Mm -hmm. that they were singing in the song that he's singing like you were singing got a racket in your pocket um from my sister um, over and over and over. After he plays, he goes back to Michael's apartment in the evening. Like he's soaking wet, like he was just out in the rain. Um, and they hug, and it's it's clear like their friendship, uh, their whatever argument they had before, it doesn't matter anymore. Jonathan's in his apartment, and he is arranging all the notes that he's been making like we've seen him making through the movie he has a bunch and he gets a phone call doesn't pick up i don't think he (laughs) he almost never picks up his phone uh when he's working Mm -hmm. on something but it's steven sondheim leaving a voicemail and it is actual steven sondheim's voice (sighs) god rest you both (laughs) oh yeah also we didn't like this came out around the time that Stephen Sondheim had like passed away. Yeah. So I was like, truly, like it was 
what an emotionally charged <laughs> like thing oh my goodness but yeah it was that also like like kicked me a bit I was like god damn like that was his last sort of cameo mm-hmm. which like side note <laughs> So I know I just like put this together in this moment, but um, for those of you who like know this podcast for a while, like the first thing the two of us bonded over oh, yeah. ever in our yeah, entire yeah. existence <laughs> is the movie Camp, in uh-huh. which Robin de Jesus plays like a character, but mm-hmm. also Stephen Sondheim makes a cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's another whole layer on top of this but we we bonded because of camp because you were singing ladies lunch which is <laughs> that too that, is, <laughs> that too that's, that's hilarious um so 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 now it's jonathan's birthday um they're at the moon dance um it's just it seems to be just like a small affair doesn't need to be that busy in there it's not bumping like susan's party was so he's chatting with carolyn who was the the other waitress and uh they're talking about freddie and that he'll actually be able to go home soon like he's getting better so this wasn't the end for freddie just yet um susan appears and jonathan goes out to talk with her and they're they're conversating decently they're not arguing or anything but you can tell it's like it's the end of their relationship yes, like it's like the last moment yeah she's taken the job in the berkshires and he says he's happy for her um and she was sorry that she couldn't go to the play but he understood like it, it, it wouldn't I don't think it would have benefited either of them for her to be there. Um, she got yeah. she got him a present, um, which was uh, a music uh, book, uh, just a book of staffs that he could write music on. Because when asked how it went, uh, it went good, but like nothing was gonna come of it, and he was gonna write the next one. So she says, "No, that's for the next one." And they they sort of part after that. Like you can tell, like they love each other, but it's like mm. the paths that they were on. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked out. Which is it's just sad. Yeah. Oh well, actually, did we mention that like when Rosa, all the way back when she was like they loved it, meh meh meh. Um, basically, when she said. You gotta just write and keep writing and keep writing because that's the life of a writer. Write what you know and yeah. writing what he knows leads to this. Yeah. He wrote what he know. He wrote what he knew, which was his life. And it was tick, tick, boom. Um, and that was the next one. Which, you know, like on a scale of successful projects that he did, it was not that successful um mm-hmm. outwardly in appearance at least and then the one after that was a project that he had left and then came back to 
which was Rent. And it's such... It's such a fucking shame. I'm not gonna lie. It's such a shame. I've said I'm not gonna lie at least six times during this this episode. But <laughs> it's such a shame. Why? Do you usually lie, Alicia? No, I don't usually <laughs> lie. Um, but it's such a shame because... It was opening night that he passed away uh, from an aortic aneurysm, likely due to Marfan syndrome, uh, undiagnosed, because uh, he was he was a tall he was a tall fella. Yeah, he died, and Rent went on to be a very successful Broadway musical, and a, a rock opera. Like fucking changed. musical theater like it was very pivotal to what we have now in musical theater in terms of sound Mm -hmm. um it like revolutionized everything and like not just that there was like the whole lottery and you know having this musical reflect the youth of the time and also being able to be um, seen by the people it's made for and made about. Mm-hmm. Um, it fucking, it, it changed a lot of shit. And it, like, yeah, it is a, a shame that he didn't get to experience that here. Afterwards, uh, they talked about uh, how he still had a bunch of questions that were left unanswered and uh, in a Tick Tick Boom musical performance uh, he's singing Louder Than Words which uh, features uh, one of our uh, one of our last cameos which is uh, Chris Jackson he's in the audience the ma- uh, wait cages or wings which do you prefer Ask the birds, here are love, baby, don't say the answer, actions speak louder than words. Um, and yeah, it's basically a question song, where it's like, all of it is just a question. <clears throat> all of the lines are separate questions. But yeah, also fear or love is something that um, Michael says to him, like, pretty early on about like you know his art like is doing it out of fear you're doing it out of love or something like that and at the time he says fear obviously mm-hmm. but like now he's like ah. and that is kind of it we see actual footage of Jonathan Larson it is. I would just like to say Andrew Garfield fucking <laughs> just I I don't know what but like I I've always liked him sure you know but like he really killed it like he fucking killed it yeah. I love the anecdote of like he got this job because his friend lied about him. Well, I mean, I don't want to say lied, but like the friend did not know that whether or not what he was saying was the truth at the time. Yeah. When um, Lynn was getting a massage and the friend was like, actually, Andrew Garfield can say. Like, he's really good. <laughs> he cannot. He could not at the time. 
but he like he really he really worked hard <laughs> and now for the long list of cameos but during this scene he is he's talking about uh when he was uh doing the superbia writing workshop and he was going through and in this we see mark shaman hairspray and there's grace mclean from natasha pierre and the great comment and there's eli bolin who does stuff on sesame street and like he did the john mulaney and the sack lunch bunch thing and there's alex lackamore <laughs> who died if we need to tell you who alex lackamore is at this point mm. <laughs> and <laughs> Chad uh, Begun, who worked on The Prom, which we already covered earlier. Uh, there is Matthew Schuyler, who also worked. Matthew Schuyler? Squar. Schuyler's different person. Um, Georgia Stitt, uh, who worked on The Last Five Years and 13, and Janine DeSori, who wrote music for Fun Home and Caroline or Change, which I fucking love Caroline or change anyway uh, <laughs> there's uh, evidence of that in our obsessions yeah uh, there's Jason Robert Brown last five years and uh, Shayna Tom who's uh, in uh, Natasha Pierre and in Hades Town and Steven Schwartz is in there as well which insane joe iconis is in there be more chill um dave malloy is in there natasha pierre um steven trash trask uh which is hedwig and the egg also yeah i um some of the uh composers and stuff that are in this scene that are cameos in this scene um got like the jonathan larson yeah i will be naming those at the end Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going through them. So you have Jamie uh, uh, Lozano, who did, um, he, he's like Lynn's friend, but he did like uh, a a Brick Road production. Uh, Tom Kitt, who wrote Next to Normal, um, and he worked with Amanda Green, who was next to him for Bring It On, which Lynn also worked on. <laughs> and we have Stephen Levinson, uh, who did the book for Dear Evan Hansen. Kiara Alegria Hudes, who wrote the book for In the Heights. Um, Nick Bemer was in a production of Tick, Tick, Boom. Aisha Davis um, is an actor who was in Passing Strange. And Matthew McCollum wrote... A musical called really? The Ballad of Bridgewater. And the people who got the Icon at the Iconis Award, my god, the Jonathan Larson Award were Joe Iconis and Matthew Sklar, Shayna Taub, Dave Malloy, Chad Beginning, and Amanda Green. But it's Sunday at brunch and he's not going anywhere. He can't do anything at the moment except be at his job. And then all of the cameos again. <laughs> Okay, so to 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 start off these cameos, we get Howard McKillen, who is the longest running Phantom on Broadway, uh, from Phantom of the Opera. We have Chuck Cooper, 
who won a Tony Award um, for uh, being uh, in The Life in 1997. We have Lynn Manuel, but we all know who he is right now. Um, Hello. <laughs> like he's there. He's he's in the, he's in the thing. We have Joel Gray, who uh, was the original MC in Cabaret and the original Wizard in Wicked. Um, we've got Andre DeShields. I love Andre DeShields so much. <laughs> Just like, it's like, Richard. How, okay, how many in your party? Kaplan. Okay, Kaplan. Mm-hmm. How many in your party? With a C. <laughs> With a C. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Anyway, Andre DeShields from uh, Hades Town. And I guess the Sack Lunch Punch. Um, Brian Stokes Missile. The Wiz and The Wiz. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yes. Fuck me. I swear. Anyway. Um, uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell. Uh, I know him from Ragtime, I guess, but I guess he was in Kiss Me Kate as well. Shuffle Along and a bunch of other stuff. I heard him sing Poor Unfortunate Souls and the man could just end my life right now. Honestly. Honestly, just <sighs> anyway. So Brian Stokes Mitchell and Philippa Sue and Renee Lee Goldsberry. Uh, Renee was Mimi in the revival of Rent. Um, that was filmed. And a Philippa Sue. I mean, like the two of them, they're wearing like colors from Hamilton, where they played uh, Eliza yeah. and and. Um, Angelica Schuyler like it's <laughs> oh god yeah. um, and we also have uh, Beth Malone from Fun Home which she's in a diner so she's like it, that's like layers of Fun Home because it was in a diner that like the character of um, oh shit what's it called what's her name again that her character thank you like there's a whole test named after her um but when Allison mm-hmm. realizes like she's looking at like a woman's like keys on her jeans and like the whole thing where she's like actualizing like realizing like consciously in a mind that she's attracted to anyway um Beth Malone <laughs> uh, uh Felicia Rashad from the Cosby show uh B.B. Neuwirth I kind of know her from Cheers, but she was also in Sweet Charity in Chicago. Cheetah Rivera. <sighs> Moving along, Bernadette Peters. Do we need to? <laughs> <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Adam Pascal, Daphne Rupenfega, and Wilson Germain Heredia. Um, I mean. <laughs> Moving like, forward. Do we even need to tell you? <laughs> just, just yeah. like, uh, there's no way. <laughs> like, maybe you're just joining yeah. us for the first time, but there's no way you don't know who these people are that we're talking about right now at this point. So, now let's get into our ratings using our standard rhetoric of five. Um, starting off with music and choreography. So, um, choreography, 
there's no like super huge intricate dance numbers with this like there's like uh dancing in like uh the scene in the in the apartments there's like coordinated arm movements in sunday uh, <laughs> but there's no like excessive dancing and that doesn't that doesn't like that's kind of on par for uh, Jonathan Larson musicals um, so I can't speak much to choreography the music though I really enjoyed uh, some bits some parts of his writing sometimes don't speak to me um, as other bits do the same thing happened in Rent like there are some songs that are just like I wish I could avoid this entirely <laughs> but I couldn't um <laughs> Um, sure. And but it's not to say like I would never listen. Like I absolutely hate the songs. That's not true. Um, so I would say in terms of music, uh, I will give this. Uh, hmm. I'll give it like a four, four out of five uh, records. Yeah, the music. It's good. Would have loved to hear more from Superbium, but (laughs) cannot get everything we want in life. However, the music that we did get, I enjoyed. So I, I, I will give it four records. All of them are Godspell. Story. I feel like the story was told pretty well. Like, I think if they just did like tick tick boom the musical it would have missed out on um some some of the like what is it oh god what is the word that begins with e that is how you explain things um thank you (laughs) my god it when it comes to it was like exploration exploitation exposition there we go um (laughs) exposition we would have lost some of that exposition that we got from like being able to like actually flashback and like seeing those little intimate moments between uh michael and john and and susan and his interactions with freddie and carolyn at the diner and all of these things um so I, I really appreciate that um, and also knowing that even with all his worry and frustration about writing it only it took him like two more years to write Tick Tick Boom and then three years after that to write Rent um, so knowing that from an outside perspective it wasn't like it was it was sad because we know <laughs> We know that Superbia doesn't become a thing, but yet we're still, like, rooting for Superbia to be a thing. We know that that doesn't happen. Um, But still, it was just so, like, fascinating to, like, feel that that energy, like, that nervousness for him. Just like, oh, my God, please. I want you to succeed so badly. Um... But I'm pretty sure if... I'm not sure if Superbia had succeeded 
if we would have gotten rent. So like it, it it was really told well in that way, and it was easy to follow along as well. So I appreciate that. So for story, um, I think I'm gonna give it one of the highest I've ever given. Um, it's like a four point seven five out of five diners. Oh my god! Right. I don't. Is that high? I honestly don't know. <laughs> um, well, I've never given anything five, so. I let me see. Wait, before I, I think <laughs> I don't have all of the scores, but I do at least have, um, Prince of Egypt. Let's see what you gave Prince of Egypt. Sorry, you gave it. Oh, you gave it four. Yeah. Yeah, I think four is like the highest you have given for still. Nope. That's a lie. You've given 4.5 for Dream Girls. Uh, anyways, I gave, I gave Prince um, of Egypt four. Was I okay? Was I, was <laughs> I all right that day? I'm not sure. I'm questioning everything now. I think, Is this whole rating system even valid? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like a case by case basis. Like, in terms of. It, te- it curves the more movies we see the more like spec- like the more specific we get with our scoring mm-hmm. I think because like like at first like being tentative of like I can't give a movie five stars like what like that's mm-hmm. a lot but like over time we've seen so many bad movies. Mm-hmm. that we're like oh yeah no we can definitely acknowledge when a good one is good um, I think is what happened um, anyways um, so story I think yeah I think the way in which this was done was like probably the best way we could have gotten like uh, tick tick boom like film adaptation because, like you said, we get like the sort of more elaborate exposition um, through the scenes that we only really in the in the show itself only really get like monologues um, and like I don't know it it probably could still work somehow but like I think having all of the anxiety inducing moments in his life um, leading up to this workshop was very effectively told. (laughs) Very, very engaging, very, very much had me like in a chokehold. I was like, I'm like right there with you, John. Like, (laughs) uh, so. Um, also, side note, like the existential dread that this, like, is like, ev- like, <laughs> could not avoid giving me. Like, there's absolutely no way I would have like been fine at all. Yeah, relating so hard, so hard to the whole like, oh yeah, like you're reaching thirty, which is like, sure. And like you're trying to do this thing, but you're not like really doing this thing. And you like 
want to do this thing forever but it's like there's no real evidence at the moment that like this is the thing that you can do forever realistically mm-hmm. so um it's it's yeah yeah like right. storytelling great um i'm gonna give it yeah 4.5 diners um nice um, now overall enjoyment I I enjoyed it like I was very engaged um, I don't know if it was Andrew I don't know if it was the way that it was shot I don't know um, if it was the just having a prior attachment to Jonathan Larson to begin with um, it just made me feel more apart of, so I feel like anyone who's like been in Rent or been a part of a production of Rent is just like you, you're so much more intimately attached to like the people that would have surrounded it um, because the, the show itself is the, the show Rent is this is not about Rent let me not <laughs> let me not even go down the road um Cause, uh, I mean, we have a rent episode. I don't know what we say in it, but like it exists. So, but yes. So, uh, rather than get in, into rent, uh, I'm just gonna say, for my overall enjoyment, uh, I'm gonna give this four point two five out of five keyboards. Yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. Obviously, had a fun time. Um, I think. You know, for Lynn's like directorial debut, it was it's a good one. I think the amount of like theater fan service and then the angle of like telling this like two week period um, sort of in Jonathan's life, like through both the show and like his you know life um great great decision all of it was very very much a great time for me um so yeah i'm like i'm gonna also give it a 4.25 keyboards 4.25 keyboards it's time for our obsession theater movies and musicals news that we like to mention let's go it's obsessions this is a part of the podcast where we talk about stuff i don't know the song says it all right it's theater musical movie news um and like things that we like really really liked in theater in uh, the last period of time since we last were here talking to you guys about things that we were obsessed with. And in this episode, I would like to again mention Ariana DeBose. I, I, I think she's surpassed Ben Platt at this point in the podcast um, in terms of obsessions, which if you were here for like the first several episodes <laughs> you know that that's like wild but anyways she has been cast in um a marvel movie she's going to be playing calypso in the movie craven the hunter i know nothing of these 
characters, Craven and Calypso, but they're part of like the Spider-Man section of the Marvel Universe, I suppose. Um, so that's happening. Uh, love that for her. She's been firing at all c cylinders for a little bit now. And, you know, it's kind of cool to just like see her rise up and shit. Fucking cool. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was uh, Blair Underwood's, um, the musical that he's developing, I guess he is producing, um, based on the all black World War II Battalion 6,888 or 6888. I don't know how people will say it, but um, that is in production. I think that's cool. I know nothing about this like battalion so it'll be interesting to see um or experience in one way or another so i guess look forward to that speaking of like wanting <laughs> superbia to have been a real thing like, rather than like something that's kind of a footnote and kind of like a show within a show within the show euphoria <laughs> um <laughs> so those who watch Euphoria, uh, you would know the last two episodes were dedicated to uh, Lexi's play, Our Life. And so, like, yeah, man, let's talk about, <laughs> like, starting off with, like, the whole, she's telling the drama of, like, the people in her life and, like, their lives and her life and sort of through her perspective which again this is something we literally just mentioned with um tick tick boom and i that is such a wild choice like for a high school show first of all i mean everybody who's anybody who's like talked about this from a musical theater person standpoint we know that like funding wise this play did not happen. Like, it didn't happen. Who funded this play? <laughs> um, the sets were too immaculate. Sorry, but like, I enjoyed it. I think it, like, I think the way that it was um, shown within the show was pretty cool in terms of going back and forth between the real moments and the moments that are in the play inspired by those moments. Um, I think I would like to, like, nominate this fictional character ethan for his outstanding work in our life he is going to be big <laughs> in his little universe he is going to be a big star like he carried the show and like i need a hero holding out for a hero you know the sequence. Like, if you've seen it, you know the sequence. It was a lot. <laughs> I was very surprised it kept going. It's like kept going for very long. And I was like, it's still happening. Um, if you don't know, then you can like easily find that on YouTube, I promise. I'm pretty sure HBO posted it on YouTube or something like that. So go off, go see it. Um, but yeah, I just was thinking like, I kind of, would like it to be a real thing. Um, I mean, essentially it would just be Euphoria the play, 
at the end of the day because it is like these moments taken from these characters within the show so it would be telling kind of the same story just through the lens of Lexi so I, I would I would like to see it as a real thing I don't know about like I don't know there's there's a lot happening in terms of subject matter and how it's portrayed uh, within the play itself which is a wild time um, but yeah I just wanted to like talk about it for like five seconds literally only watched season two so that I could watch the play because a friend of mine had asked me to watch the play so at least it was worth it <laughs> like getting to the play part so anyways that's all I just wanted to fucking talk about it thank you for giving me the soapbox all right this is the end of the episode and you can follow us on social media we have a twitter and an instagram at tmm tmm podcast we have a tumblr which chronicles all of our obsessions including the ones that i spoke about today that is tell me more tell me more podcast.tumblr.com we have our favorite songs from each musical that we cover on our like Spotify profile. So if you go to Spotify and you go to TMM, TMM podcast, and you go to the profile and not the podcast itself, you will find playlists for every year that this podcast has existed with our favorite songs from every movie that we've covered. So long as there was a soundtrack on Spotify for me to put into the playlist. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We will be back with our second Maestro of the Month with West Side Story 2021. Get excited. I'm excited. I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, thanks for listening. Catch us in the next one. For Tell Me More, Tell Me More, the podcast. I've been your host, Leah. And I've been your host, Stacia. Goodbye. Goodbye.